crowd here on the left. Invite you to open up your Bibles to First John. We look at a couple of things here in First John. First John chapter three. You know, and it's always good to be motivated. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to motivate people, and other times it's easier to motivate. Sometimes we motivate um, with false hope, and people get motivated. Um, you know, and we bring false comfort into the motivation, and that's not what God would want. Uh, it's it's hard sometimes to hear things when people try to motivate you. Let me tell you one of the hardest things about being a parent is when you have to tell your kid they're wrong. How many kids like that? Uh, now, one amen here. And, and it's hard because you love them and you know that they're not going to take it always the right way. Uh, even though you try to say it in the right way and in the right tone and in the right time and, and, you, and you try to do things the right way, you know, even in our own sinful way, we, we, we think we did it right, but we normally don't. Let me ask you this. This is, a, this is a tough question. How do you respond when someone says to you what you're doing is sin? Think about that for a moment. It's wrong. It's it's sin. It's not right. How, how do you like that? Anybody like to hear those words? I, I don't. Um, here's one of two ways we can take that. We can take it this way. We can take it as um, I love you enough to point out that destructive behavior in your life. And hopefully that's our hearts as we we, we confront our, our children or confront somebody in our lives. Hopefully that's our heart. Look, I love you enough. To point this out, this is wrong, it doesn't please God, it's sin, and we need to deal with it, and I love you enough to tell you that. Um, normally, how we take it is this, I'm judging you, right? Notice this, as we're going to look at here. The first one, I love you enough to point it out. The second one, we take it as, I'm judging you. You know, you're, you, you, who are you to judge me? Or, you know, that's wrong, I don't like it. Uh, don't don't tell me about this. I don't I don't want to hear it. You know, and, and here's the question I got for why do we why do we react like that? You guys can mention it. Why why do we why do kids get mad when we tell them they're wrong? Pride, guilt, sin. Pride, guilt, sin. Why do you get mad when somebody tells you you're wrong? Pride. <laughs> Same things, all right, pride. We hate it. We get mad at it, right? I don't like it. I don't like when people point it out. And, and imagine the book of John, First John, as he writes this. He tells us over and over, time and time again, I love you, my little children. I love you. I love you. And then right after that, he says, you're wrong. How do you like reading a book like that? You know, that's why we stay away from this book. You know, because as much as he tells us, I love you, I love you, I love you, he tell, you're wrong. I, I remember I was in a, a pastor's meeting one time, and this pastor was ripping another pastor. And the pastor wasn't even there. And he just kept ripping him and ripping him and ripping him. Finally, I had enough of it. I said, you know what, maybe this guy, you know, is the way you're saying he is because he doesn't think that you're his friend. And the pastor looks at me and goes, I don't want to hear what this guy thinks. What do you think, Jeremy? 
And I said, yeah, you're not my friend. Whoa. I leave that meeting. He's standing at the door. He is red as a lobster. He starts screaming at me. Who are you to tell me? And just screaming at it. Pastor. I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow. You know why? Because it hurt his image. You know what? It hurt his feelings. And watch out when you hurt somebody's feelings. They will pout and they will shout. And that's what we do. You hurt my feelings. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? I'm going somewhere where they don't tell me I'm wrong. Who are you to mess with my image? I'm this way. We don't like to hear it. Pride gets in the way. And we don't want to be hurt. We don't want our image hurt. We don't want all this. And, and here's what John's going to say. Look, I, I love you guys. But let me just tell you something. Sin is very serious. And we can change the name of sin, but sin is sin. And you're going to say, well, so what is sin? Well, look in your Bibles here to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. He's going to give a definition of what sin is. And, and as we, we study the Bible out, there's different definitions of sin. We know in Romans 14, it talks about sin as being that which doesn't come from faith. So if we don't really believe that we can do a certain behavior, but we do a certain behavior, that's sin. We know in James chapter 4, he says, He who knows to do what is right and does not do it, to him it is what? Sin. Sin. So sin is knowing I should do something, but I don't do it. And, and, and really, I, 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 I sin because I didn't do what I knew I should have done. So there's, there's sins of commission, and there's also sins of omission, when we don't do what God wants us to do. The word sin oftentimes in the Bible means to miss the mark. It, it speaks of a, a warrior that would go and try to strike somebody but would miss them. And we went to uh, the, uh, the men's retreat and we had to throw axes. That was kind of fun. <laughs> and I hated to show my athleticism, but I had to show these guys how to do it. Because you know, here's these grown men holding axes and they didn't know how to throw them. They're throwing them over the thing, over the thing. I said, God, you know, he's... Well, knowing that simple, right? <laughs> but every time you miss the mark, right? There's, it, it, it's sin. That's what missing the mark, sin. He doesn't mention that here. Doesn't mention that here. Doesn't say it's missing the mark. Look what he calls it here. This is interesting here. He says, everyone practicing sin practices what? Lawlessness. Don't miss this. Sin is what? Lawlessness. Sin, in, according to 1 John 3, 4, is rebellion. Sin is wanting to call your own shots. Sin is looking at what God says in His Word and God's will and saying, No, Lord, I don't want that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm the captain of my own soul. I will determine who calls the shots. It is called rebellion. Listen to this. This is not someone defines sin. Sin is lawlessness, rebellion, a defiant disregard and rejection of God's rightful rule as Lord over your life. When we practice our sin, we rebel against the king and we say, I hate your law. I'm going to do it my way. I'm the one calling the shots. Think about this. The next time we, we, we live in sin, what? Why do people want to defund the police? 
Well, some say because the police are corrupt and all this. Well, let me just say this. They don't want laws. They don't want people confronting them. They want to call the shots. They want to live in rebellion. And let me just tell you something. So do we. We are rebels at heart. I, 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 love, the, I love the little story of the young girl that stood up in the car and the, and the daddy said, sit down, sweetie. No. Sit, sit down, sweetie. No. Uh, sit down or I'm going to pull over the car and give you a spanky. No. I'm pulling over the car now. Okay, she sits down. She goes, Daddy, I'm sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> That's our hearts. God, I'll do this, but on the inside, I don't want to. I want to call the shots. Let me, let me ask you this. Who, who calls the shots in your life when you think about it? Who's the one that calls the shots on whether or not you should come to church? You say, Pastor Jeremy, well, I hope it's not me. <laughs> Better be God. Who's the one that calls the shots in the home? You know, people say this. In my home, I have the last word. Yeah, right. In our home, who has the last word? God should. In our parenting, who has the last word? God does. In, in, our, in our life at work, who has the last word? God does. He calls the shots. And the moment I go outside of that, I'm saying to God, I don't want your rule. I don't want your word. I don't want your will. I want to do what I want to do. Think about that. At the next time that we lie, we're saying to God, I don't want your, I don't want what you say about telling truth. I want to lie. Next time we lust, we say to God, you know, I don't want what it says to live pure. I want to lust. I want to call my own shots. That's sin. That's rebellion. And that's what we do. Now he says, is there any hope for us with this? Well, yes, there is. Here it is. Don't miss this. Verse 5. Look at this. You know that he appeared. Now, now stop there because we've, we've been talking about up to now his future appearance. And how excited we are that the Lord's coming back and, and, and he's coming back and, and, and we don't want to be caught not doing what we should be doing. We want to abide in him. He's coming back and, and whoever has this hope, what, purifies himself. Praise the Lord for the future appearance. But I want you to look at this in verse 5. He doesn't talk about a future appearance. He talks about a past appearance. He talks about the first time the Lord came here to this earth. Why in the world did the Lord come? You ever think about that? What is the reason for his incarnation? Why did Christ come? Look at verse 5. He came in order to do what? Take away what? Sins. You say, I know this, Jeremy. I know he came and died for my sins to take them away. But what you don't know, and here's what a lot of people don't talk about, we often talk about how we're not going to hell because he came and took away our sins. But do we understand what the cross really means? Watch this. The word take away means to lift away, to remove. Christ died to remove three things. He came to remove the penalty of sin. Praise God that right now there's no condemnation that those are in Christ Jesus. At the moment we get saved, we're going to be able to go to heaven because he died to remove all sin. Praise the Lord. And we get all excited about that. But did you know this? He not only came to lift away the penalty of sin, he also came to lift away the power of sin. 
You say, where is that in the Bible? Thanks for asking. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at this. This is an amazing, amazing verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Look at these verses. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that what? Look at this verse. Look what it says. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves. Let's, let's rephrase this. So that they who live might, not no, might, might no longer call their own shots. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. When someone accepts Jesus Christ, the moment we accept Jesus Christ, you know what we're saying? Lord, you, you're, you're not only my Savior, you're my Lord. You're the one that calls the shots in my life. I submit myself to your will. I live for you. There's a change that happens the moment we get saved. Not only is the penalty of sin gone, now sin's principle in our lives has been broken. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment. And now he calls the shots. We don't. Wow. And every time we call our own shots being saved, we sin. We rebel against God. You say, what else is this here? Notice this here in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. It, 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 he talks about that and the power of sin. But I tell you one thing that's exciting about Christ. He came and he died to lift away what? The very presence of sin. That one day in heaven, we're not going to fight this. We're not going to battle it. But guess what? Right here, we do. It is a battle. Now, you say, what, what, what is there to hope? The Lord has come for us to break that pattern of sin in our lives, for us to start living for Him, for us to allow Him to call His shots. Now, notice this here in verse 5. How can He do that? Well, here it is. In Him, there is what? He's the only one qualified to do it. He's the only one that never rebelled. Don't, don't believe the garbage you see on the internet that Christ had to repent and when he was a kid and he, he did things that were wrong. He never rebelled. He never rebelled. He never sinned. In fact, up to this point, John talks about him as the righteous one, the pure one. Now he talks about him as the sinless one. And you want to know what amazes me about Jesus is that not only is he sinless, how he submitted to the Father's will. He let the Father call the shots. That's our God. He's the only one qualified to come and take away our sins. And he's the only one qualified to say, you no longer call the shots. I do. In him there is no sin. And he lived that out. He never sinned. Not once. And this is an amazing passage. Now, what about us who sin? What do we do with us? Well, look at verse 6. Here it is. You ready for this? Oh, I love this. will preach. This will preach. Watch this one. No one who abides in him sins. All right, here we go. Anybody sin this week? All right, you're all unsaved. You all need Jesus. That what it says? Look at this verse. It says, no one who abides in him, what? Now, this is a very interesting verse here. Some, some people have taken this verse and say we can actually read uh, reach uh, perfection. There's a guy who came here to this church and taught that. There was a professor one time that said, I think I probably sin every day. 
Uh, let me correct that. You do sin every day. <laughs> let me just tell you what this can't mean, and then we're going to talk about what it does mean. This can't mean that believers, when it talks about abiding in Him, it's talking about a real relationship with Him. It cannot mean that a believer never sins. Why do we know that? What does 1 John 1 say? If we say we have no sin, we're what? Deceiving ourselves. We're liars. We confess our sin. What does 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 say? We have an advocate in heaven when we sin. What does 1 John 3, chapter 3, verse 2 say? It says we are still not yet what we're going to be. We still sin. So this can't mean that we never sin. Because we all sin. But here's what it does mean. Watch this. The Amplified Bible brings this out. No one who abides in Him, no one who says they have a relationship with Him, that are fellowshipping with Him, that have union with Him and communion with Him, watch this, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually, what? Practice sin. Don't miss this. What, what John is saying is this. When we come to Christ, there ought to be a difference between our life without Christ and our life with Christ. And if there is no difference, if the continual pattern of sin and there's no difference in our lives, something is wrong. That's very hard to hear, by the way. Because we all struggle with sin. But this verse, it's not a struggle. It's a lifestyle. It's a I can care less life. This is, I'm a sinner. I'm going to continue to sin. I'm going to, it, it doesn't bother me. There is a big difference with somebody who struggled with pornography before they got saved. They get saved and, and now it's a continual struggle and they try to do, and they're struggling. There's a big difference between that and somebody who comes home every night, just watches it and could care less. Let me give you an example of this. In Argentina, people, a lot of people don't get married. They just live together. They just meet somebody and have a family. Forget about getting married. One guy once said this way. He said, you know what? It cost me 50 pesos to get married and 100,000 pesos to get divorced. So I'm not going to get married. So they just live together. And then some of them get saved. And when they get saved, I have a good friend that got saved and, and they were living together before. They, they had a family, and they, but they were living together and they realized, you know what? Something's wrong here. I need to make this official. I need to do this public. I need to start living in a way that honors God. So guess what he did? He got married. Praise the Lord. And his life was different. Now, if he was to say to me, all right, I got saved. You know what? Who cares? I'm going to live together. I can care less what it is. Call it what it wants. I'm going to still habitually live in that. Something is wrong. Because life without Christ and life with Christ is different. And here's what John is saying, really. He's saying every believer should have a decreasing pattern of sin in their lives. Not perfection. We'll never make it but a decreasing pattern of sin in our lives. It should no longer be deliberate, knowingly, and habitual in our life. Something is wrong when it's like that. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but by God's grace, the power of that sin has been broken, and we're going to be struggling with it, and it's going to be decreasing in our lives. Wow, look at this here. Look what he says here. No one who 
abides in him sins. Look what Swindoll says. John is talking about a lost person who has no power of the spirit to wage warfare against the flesh, no recourse to forgiveness from Christ. Their lifestyle is characterized by what? Sinfulness. It's habitual. They can care less. And they live in it. And there's no struggle. But yet they say they're believers. You're like, whoa! Wait a minute. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the one who abides in him, and we're going to see, Lord willing, next week, you can't, the seed is in you. You can't just continue in that lifestyle. Jesus will change it. But yet they're just continuing to do it. Look what it says here. This is very powerful. Verse 6. It says here, that no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has what? Seen him or what? Knows him. I don't care what they say. I mean, well, I grew up in church, but right now I could care less and I'm just going to live for myself. Uh, something's wrong. I, 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 I don't care the profession. It's, it's not about that. It's about this. In fact, he says in verse 6, someone who doesn't even struggle and just continues on and just lives habitually in it, you know what? Something is definitely wrong. You know what that's a sign of? That's probably a sign they're not saved. Now, now let's be careful with this. this. This is not talking about somebody who struggles and falls into the same kind of sins that they did before they were saved. Not talking about that. This is it's one thing to fall into sin. It's another thing to live in it. And that's what John's saying. When, when you get saved, there's going to be a difference. There's one thing to fall in it. There's another thing to live in it. When you're living in it, watch out. Maybe that's a sign you've never really come to Him. Maybe that's a sign you don't have the power of God in your lives to, to continue on to live for Him. Maybe that's a sign that you still want to call the shots, but yet you have a profession of faith here, but you're still the captain of your own soul. Maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you've never experienced Him. This, this, this is really hard. He's saying this out of love. But he's saying, watch out with this. Because if you have a true relationship, you're going to have a decreasing pattern of sin in your lives. You'll never be sinless. You'll never be perfect. But you will sin less. Watch this. Look at verse 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Here's where it gets really hard as a pastor. Because I don't like to confront this. And especially at a funeral. When, when the person is not really have any fruit. And yet the people want comfort. And they're looking to the pastor to give comfort. And will, will you just say some nice things about him? Will you just say that they made it to heaven? Just to comfort our family? I remember one funeral someone came up to me and said, Don't preach. Just do what you need to do. Don't preach. Uh, I'm a preacher. <laughs> I got a boat. I got to preach. And sorry about that. I, I can't change. No, I'll preach. Don't, don't say. Don't say anything. Don't be careful. We, we we want this false comfort. This. I remember one guy. He said something that really got me. He says, "When you do a funeral, don't preach the person dead into heaven. They're already dead. Talk to the people who are alive." 
But sometimes we like to give that comfort. Oh, oh, oh don't worry, and especially when it's family members. Pastor, I, I have a child that used to come to church, but they hate God right now. They, they're living in this kind of sin. Uh, are they going to heaven? I don't know. I'm not God. But I will tell you what John says. You better be careful. Because one who has that pattern, John is saying, you know what? You're probably not saved. I, I don't want to give a false hope. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I could say I don't know. For that, I don't know. I'm not God. But something's wrong there. Uh, I have a friend that used to come here, but no longer comes, and now they hate. Or, or what do you say to this? Uh, we had one, I asked, so how's your sister doing? Oh, well, you know, my sister, what happened was is she, she, she married a guy who turned himself into a girl, and um, they're married now together, and they're living in this, and, and boy, that, that guy or girl, would, you know what, loves the Lord, but only has that problem. Are we that deceived? Are, are, we, are, we that, are, we, are we giving that much comfort to people that it's just okay? Do what you want. It's a, call your own shots. You're, you're fine. You're going to heaven. Don't worry about God. Just make a profession of faith and everything's okay. You can do whatever you want afterwards. You're still going to heaven. Watch out with that theology. Let no one deceive you. Don't, don't try to give false comfort to people. We're not God. We, we don't, I don't call the shots. He does. I, I don't determine who, who's... He does. He says it in his word. To all who call upon him are saved. That's what he said. He calls the shots. And so we got to let him call the shots because people are deceiving. They're giving false comfort. <laughs> At my own father's funeral, the guy came and he said things about... He didn't even know my father. And he said things about my father, and he was saying this and that. My uncle Jimmy, you don't mess with my uncle Jimmy, and you know, I big nose and big, you know, big guy comes up to me, and goes, "Hey Jimmy, hey Jeremy, I don't know who that priest was talking about, but he wasn't talking about your father. <laughs> that ain't your father." This guy said all kinds of nice things, and then he said this: "Your father's in heaven." Just comforting the people, deceiving. Just do what you want. Doesn't matter in that professional. Don't don't think about those things. Just he's there. You're fine. Uh, make sure no one deceives you with this. Make sure that you understand. You know what John's saying here? Look how he starts it off. He's talking with love, little children. I love you. Make make sure, because when the doctrine is wrong, guess what? Lives will be wrong. <coughs> we are what we eat. We are what we believe. Let no one deceive you here. So how do we deal with these deceivers? Here it is. I love this passage. Look at this. This is incredible. Here it is. How do we deal with deceivers? We do right. There's the proof in the pudding. Doing is showing we belong. He says the one who practices righteousness is what? Is righteous. Here's the exciting thing. When the Lord comes into your life and there are those changes and there are those struggles against sin, praise God. That means God is there. And so depend upon Him. Make Him depend on His power to live for you. You're still going to struggle with sin. We're all are. We're, still, we're not a finished product. 
But allow him to work in our lives and as we walk with him and walk with him, we do what you're... That's how we deal with deceivers. We show them, no, no, this is what the Christian life is about. We practice what is right. Just as who is right? Look at this. Look who the pattern is. Just as he is right. Wow. In other words, we don't practice what is right because so-and-so is practicing what is right. As great as they are, they're sinners. We all are. But we do what is right as Jesus did what was right. In other words, you know what he's saying? You ready for this? Just simple terms. Are you ready for this? Let Jesus call the shots of your life. Stop being the captain of your own soul. Let him do it. Let him determine whether or not you go to church on Sundays. Let him determine that. Let, let him determine whether or not we read our Bible. Let him determine whether or not we make disciples. Let, let, let him determine how we parent our children. Let, let, let him determine how we are a child of a parent. Let, let him determine how we handle our in-laws and different people in our life. He calls the shots. And I'm here to tell you something. When other people try to call shots that God isn't calling, God should win. I don't care how loving and how they are in our family. I love my children, but when it comes to their will and God's will, I'd like to say God should win. Does he win all the time? No, I'm a sinning parent. Oftentimes I don't want that conflict, so I let the kid win when God should win. He's saying here, you pattern your life after Jesus Christ. You let him call the shots. You say, your will, not mine. You let him be the king of your life. And when he is, how different it is in our lives. You know, you know what's exciting about this? Is that guy that came to the Lord, our friend, um, and he was living with his wife and he realized, you know what, after a while, hey, that was wrong. I need to, to get this right. So he got it right. You know what, right now, he's a deacon in the church. He, he is doing amazing for God. You know why? Because God's calling the shots in his life. Who's calling the shots in your life? You say, I made a profession. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm fine. Are you? Look what John says. The one who abides. There's a decreasing pattern of sin in their life. Look what John says. He came to lift up the very, not only the penalty of sin, but the very power of sin. And every time we call the shots, we're undermining the work of the cross. So let God be king in your life. And don't let anyone deceive you. That it's just mere words. It's a life. Let him do it. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how hard it is, Lord, to look at verses like these. Because we all know people in our lives that have once made a profession of faith, but right now their lives have nothing to do with you. And yet we want to comfort our own selves and we, we try to even talk them into heaven in our minds when we need to be witnessing to them and sharing Jesus Christ with them because their souls are in danger. 
Lord, you know the hearts of people. You know what's really going on. So Lord, I pray that we would focus on the things that we can focus on. Depending upon your power. Looking at your son as our pattern. And submitting our will to yours. Father, I ask right now, in our hearts, would you be king? Would you control our thoughts? Would you, con- would you call the shots? It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think is right. It's about what you want and what you think is right. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that's living their life, calling their own shots, that right now they would say, Lord, no more. You sent your son to die that I would no longer live to self, but I would live for you. So I want to live for you. I want to do your will. I want you to be my king. If that's the cry of your heart right now, just say it to God. God, be my king. Be my Lord. I don't want to call the shots. I want to live for you. Tired of living for self. I want to live for you. Father, I wish this was just a one-time decision, but it's not. God, each day we have two people we can please, self or you. So Lord, help us to remember when we start pleasing self that that's wrong, that's sin, that's lawlessness. That's rebellion. And we just need to confess it and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And you will forgive us of all sin. Thank you for that. Remind us throughout the week this week when we want to call our own shots what we heard today. We thank you so much for who you are. We praise you in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. Well, if you will.